Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will take us back to the emerging markets as we will examine the current landscape as well as the opportunities and the risks to be mindful of. Joining me here on the line for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for the Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Alejo, good morning to you. Welcome back. Back to the podcast and looking forward to our conversation on the emerging markets today. Good morning, Dan. It's always great to be here. Absolutely. And Alejo, up front, I do want to point out to our listeners, our clients, that our conversation today will tie right into the latest flagship piece from your team, Investing in Emerging Markets, Adapting to a Changing Narrative. That piece is now up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. So I want to point that out up front. But Alejo, as your team works to identify opportunities and risks in emerging markets, a central area of focus is the analysis of the external accounts of the countries under your coverage. So can you take a few moments here at the start, Alejo, and explain to us why that's so important? Absolutely, Ben. Um, external accounts contain quite valuable information about a country's overall macroeconomic health and, of course, its interactions with the rest of the world. Within the external account, a, a key component we monitor is the current account position. For most countries, this is simply the difference between the value of exports and the value of imports of goods and services. Now, it's important to remember that a a country's current account balance can also be expressed as the difference between a country's savings and a country's investment at the national level. Now, this means that countries that save more than they invest exhibit a current account surplus and they manage to export excess savings to the rest of the world. Those that save less than they invest must resort to external financing to make ends meet. Now, nothing is inherently positive or negative about temporary deviations from balance in a country's current account position. Yet large and persistent departures do expose countries to risks. In particular for the emerging markets, investors are often worried about sizable current account deficits. As history shows that rapid shifts in external financing conditions can force countries to curtail spending a little bit too far too fast. Now, looking at the state of play today, Dan, when we take a look at uh, the external account of the emerging markets, uh, we believe that... um, we've seen quite a bit of an adjustment in, in recent quarters, right? More, most uh, large emerging economies are currently exhibiting current account surpluses. Indeed, countries such as Brazil, South Africa, Indonesia, and India, all of which have historically carried a reputation for external sector, sector vulnerability, today show much improved current account positions. And there are very few countries that have large and persistent current account deficits today. This includes countries such as Turkey and countries such as uh, Colombia. This is quite important because, as you know from our House View letter this month, Dan, uh, the post-pandemic world may be one of a continuation of a lower for longer 
environment in terms of growth, inflation, interest rates. But we do highlight that it is not inconceivable that we experience a higher interest rate environment in the years to come, either through a roaring 20s scenario in which we do see higher economic growth, higher inflation, higher interest rates, or a stagflation light scenario in which inflation runs a little bit too hot for comfort and we don't see um, high, high growth rates in, in that environment. So by and large, Dan, a high interest rate environment is rarely a good thing for emerging markets. Yet, if you have a healthy external sector, uh, you're, you're, you're up for the challenge. And what we find is that most emerging markets in this environment do support current account surpluses and therefore are well positioned for whatever the future will, will brings in terms of uh, global interest rate environment. Okay, well, Alejo, that was very helpful context. So now that we have that backdrop, Alejo, can you speak to what the implications here are for investments in emerging markets? Absolutely. Now that we know that emerging markets can count on low external financing needs, we think the complex can sail through the global environment of higher growth, higher inflation and interest rates we expect for this year and be ready to weather alternative macro regimes that might prevail in the years ahead. Now, when we look at the uh, accelerating vaccination drive globally, when we look at uh, the environment of higher commodity prices that we are experiencing, particularly for energy and base metals, we think the macroeconomic recovery in emerging markets should continue in uh, coming quarters. Now, in this context, emerging market equities stand out as the most likely to benefit from this constellation of factors. The ongoing cyclical recovery, we think, will translate into a 32% year-on-year earnings growth for the asset class. Uh, valuations have cheapened relative to developed markets and now look attractive on a five to 10 year basis. Recent weakness out of China seems overdone to us. Uh, optimism around a Biden administration reset of relationships has now been priced out. The worst of the domestic regulatory shock is likely behind us. And so also we expect emerging market equities overall to deliver double digit uh, total returns by by year end. Of course, then, uh, nothing is without risk. We are monitoring closely fiscal dynamics uh, in a wide range of emerging market countries that look um, fairly challenging. And of course, when you look at the struggles that countries like India are experiencing in bringing the pandemic under control, this is also a big risk that deserves uh, close monitoring. But in our baseline scenario, we think emerging market equities are well positioned to deliver double-digit returns by year-end in, in dollar terms. Well, it is important to be mindful of the risks. So thank you for taking a couple of moments there, Alejo, to highlight those for us. But based on your comments, it does sound like that there are good opportunities that exist right now in emerging market equities. I'm curious in terms of emerging market bonds, Alejo, what's your outlook there? Certainly. Look, emerging market bonds in U.S. dollars offer good carry. But it's an asset class that is quite sensitive to U.S. Treasury rate moves. If you think about our 
end-of-year target for 10-year U.S. Treasuries of 2%, if this were to materialize, a year worth of emerging market bond carry would be wiped out, leaving us with roughly flat total returns from here. And um, this has to do with the reality that valuations are fair, fair too expensive in, uh, in terms of the asset class. When we look at investment-grade spreads for emerging markets, these are trading near historical types. Uh, High-yield spreads are trading relatively wide, but this is largely explained by the presence of a few countries in distress. You could, you could think that the widely expected issuance of fresh IMF special drawing rights, we talked more about this in the piece, could help these countries, the ones in distress, to get a bit more breathing room. But we, we think this is far from a game, a game changer. So all told, um, emerging market bonds in U.S. dollars, our baseline scenario really projects roughly flat returns through the end of the year, good carry, yet sizable headwinds coming from a rising U.S. interest rate environment. Okay, so we've covered emerging market equities and bonds. Before we close out the conversation, Alejo, do you have any thoughts on emerging market currencies that you can share with us? Absolutely. It's been quite interesting, um, the uh, turn of events in, in recent weeks. As you might remember, Dan, the year started with broad U.S. dollar strength. Uh, yet emerging market currencies this quarter have stabilized and are showing signs of advances in, in the first few weeks of, of the second quarter. Um, all in, we are forecasting a low single-digit appreciation uh, of EM currencies against the U.S. dollar for the remainder of the year. The overall carry of EM currencies remains fairly low, uh, and there is uncertainties uh, around the direction the U.S. dollar might take uh, in coming months, we think it's one of moderate depreciation, yet uh, there's there's a lot of uncertainty in this environment. So this limits the attractiveness of an outright emerging market currency exposure. That's why when you think about the universe of emerging market assets, our highest conviction at the moment is on emerging market equities. As you know, China is a big component of emerging market equities, and we think uh, the country is well positioned for uh, good performance in, in coming months, given uh, valuations and some of the uh, some of the uh, risks being priced in to, to the market uh, into the market at this point. Uh, emerging market bonds are a good portfolio diversifier, yet in a central scenario, higher U.S. interest rates are going to make it difficult for the asset class to deliver solid returns from here to the end of the year. And emerging market currencies should appreciate vis-a-vis uh, -vis the U.S. dollar, uh, yet our conviction is relatively low in the space at the moment, and the carry uh, is, is limited. Um, so select opportunities then in, in emerging markets uh, from here to the end of the year, uh, keeping an eye, of course, on pandemic dynamics. Uh, there's still a lot we do not know about the nature of the disease, the nature of new variants, in our central scenario, our existing tools to manage the pandemic in terms of vaccines and treatments will be adequate 
to, you know, get over this. Uh, yet, as, as you know, and as you read in the news every day, there, there are still risks uh, that, that remain. Well, Alejo, very helpful insight. So thank you for joining us on the podcast today to bring us up to speed on your current analysis and thinking when it comes to allocation within the emerging markets, as well as the risks to be mindful of. As you mentioned, the pandemic remains a very fluid situation, though it was great catching up with you this morning, Alejo, and we'll look forward to revisiting and picking back up our emerging markets conversation again with you next month. Thanks for having me, Dan. Absolutely. Thank you, Alejo. And again, today we have been joined by Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Of course, that includes the publication that Alejo has been making reference to during today's podcast, that being Investing in Emerging Markets, Adapting to a Changing Narrative. So for clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more or receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studio to view the entire podcast offering as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO dash disclaimer.